Hello, romance book lovers. Welcome or welcome back to Tales from the Heart. I'm Jenna Hart, and each week I post new episodes from my stories of crime and passion. Right now we're listening to Deadly Valentine, book one of the Valentine Mysteries. This week is episode nine, where we go through chapters 20 through 23, where we find out if Tess can change the mood with Jack and, well, you'll have to listen to find out. I will warn you that I have had to abridge some of the content in the next few chapters. I've left some of the innuendo in. However, some of the more explicit bits have been removed to avoid violating any terms of my podcast or video host. But remember, if you want to read those bits or you want to follow along or get ahead in the story, you can download the entire ebook of Deadly Valentine for free at jennaheart.com. Never miss the mystery or romance by hitting the subscribe button and remember all the details and links that you might need are just a click away in the description. Now snuggle up, get comfy, and enjoy the show. Chapter 20 Tess stood stunned as Jack walked away from her. How could he kiss and touch her like that, for the purpose of getting her hot and bothered, and then just turn it off when the wrong thing came out of her mouth? She shook her head as she tried to understand what happened. She knew she said the wrong thing, but it wasn't what she meant. Being with him could never be a chore. The wood in the fire as it broke apart, the flames dying away. It was a metaphor for the moment, she decided. But she knew if she poked at the logs, she could rekindle the fire. Could she do the same for the spark that was dying between her and Jack? Could she fan the flames? If she intended to try, she needed a plan. She was no prude but neither was she an experienced seductress. If she had time, she would have called Kate for a crash course in seducing a man. Instead, she'd have to find her inner feminine wiles on her own. To start with, she needed to change. The La Perla lingerie she acquired earlier in the day would be a good start. Going to her bedroom, she stripped off the rest of her clothes and pulled the lacy black and red undergarments from the top drawer of her dresser. She slipped them on quickly and checked herself in the mirror. Remembering what he said at the ice cream shop, she pulled the pins from her hair and shook out the curls. It improved the wanton look, but did nothing to give her the long-legged lingerie model look. Acting on an idea, she went to her closet. Looking up on the shelf, she realized the box was too high. Grabbing an empty clothes hanger, she reached up and was just able to slip the end under the box's lid. She pulled and the red stilettos tumbled along with the box that had held them for three years since she'd last worn them. She tugged them on, wincing as they pinched her toes. Hopefully she wouldn't be wearing them for long. Testing a few poses, she hoped looked sexy. Then taking a deep breath and headed to the bathroom. Are you decent? She asked through the slightly ajar door. You're joking, right? His voice was tight. She pushed the door open to find him standing over the sink a hand resting on each side of the basin, his head hanging. Drops of water clung to his face. A version of the cold shower, she suspected. I can help you with that. Had she pulled off sounding sultry? You've done enough already. He grumbled. Jack. She tried to coo. Give me a damn minute. Normally, the outburst would have deflated her confidence, but for some reason in this case, it annoyed her. For goodness sake, don't be a martyr. I can help you with that. I want to help you with that. He turned his head. His eyes flashed with annoyance and then narrowed as they took a long slide over her lacy garments and red heels. Slowly they made their way back up to her face. You're the devil, you know that? 
He grabbed her arms and pulled her against his body. He brought his mouth within an inch of hers. I'm going to torture you just like you torture me. He lightly bit her bottom lip, tugged on it as he eased her into the bedroom. I haven't tortured you. Think again. So get on with it already. For a moment she was afraid she'd made the same mistake that had nearly ended their interlude earlier. Fortunately, he didn't seem to be listening to her. His lips moved down, nibbling her collarbone and shoulders. If you're going to have second thoughts, now is the time. You're delaying the inevitable here, Valentine. She didn't know where the bravado came from, but she felt liberated by it. She wasn't sure if it was the underwear, the shoes, or the man, but she couldn't remember ever feeling so sexy. Tess wasn't inexperienced when it came to men, but this, what Jack was doing to her, was foreign. His touch elicited sensations she'd never felt, not just sensual feelings, but something deep, soul-deep. As if his caress, his kiss was awakening something inside her. It was several minutes later when he said, Well, we've answered two questions. Really? First, we fit. We fit really, really well. Tess lifted her head and grinned. Second, you're very good. She blushed. You can tell me, was I all right? She nodded. Yes, you were all right. He gave her a gentle slap on her backside. Be nice. I thought I just was... He grinned. Chapter 21 Reading romance novels and knowing Jack's reputation, Tess had high expectations of his abilities in the bedroom. And he didn't disappoint. Jack had shown her a gentleness and giving that she thought only existed in romance novels. At times it was so sweet and pure it terrified her with its intensity. So much so, she was afraid it was more than she could handle. She'd long ago given up on the idea of love, or ever after. Her mind was adamant that their time together was nothing more than an attraction between two friends. But somewhere in the middle of the night, when he held her, whispered his affection for her, the wall around her heart cracked, and the possibility of love seeped in. She'd been too weak to guard against it. And as the first rays of dawn slipped through the window, she watched him sleep and wondered if something real could exist between them. Maybe he meant everything he said during the night. Maybe it would be safe to open her heart again and believe in love. In the dimly lit cocoon in which only the two of them existed, it seemed possible. But they didn't live in a cocoon. They lived in a world that had been picked up and turned on its side since the night Asa was murdered. Looking at Jack now, his face relaxed and peaceful, he didn't look like he had a care in the world. But the truth was very different. A revelation about his parentage challenged how he thought of himself. A betrayal by the people he'd trusted all his life rocked his faith in the man he'd become. On top of it all, he was the prime suspect in Asa's murder. Yet despite it all, he had the ability to not let things keep him down. Not that he ignored or denied them. And it wasn't that he never got angry. He just didn't let bad happenings dominate his life. He could let the negative go and instead focus on what was good. He could be positive even when the glass was only a quarter full. It was a skill she admired but wasn't sure she was brave enough to pursue. She wasn't ready to let the magic of the night go, and yet, she knew she had to. Eventually, they would have to leave the sanctuary of her room and face the challenges that were before them. Resigned to that fact, she slipped quietly from the bed, trying to ignore the sense of loss that the day after brought. Gathering some clothes, she headed to the shower. When she re-entered her room, dressed in a wool suit with her hair pulled back and makeup set, she found him looking rested as he lounged in bed. His gaze took a slow inventory of her. Can't you play hooky for a day? 
She was tempted. The bed looked warm and inviting while the outdoors, even with its blue sky, looked bitter cold. But if she was anything, she was conscientious about her work. I have important clients, one of whom I'm trying to keep out of prison. She slipped a necklace around her neck and checked her appearance in the mirror. If I go to prison, will you arrange conjugal visits? She smirked at him through the reflection of the mirror. Sure. Just let me know who to send. You won't come? Do I look like the kind of woman to have conjugal visits in a prison? She turned to look at him. He studied her as if he was pondering the question. I learned a lot about what kind of woman you are last night, but conjugal visits isn't one of them. She flashed him a grin. In that case, I should go to work. Before you go. He reached out to take her hand. She'd intended to sit on the edge of the bed for a goodbye kiss. But in an instant, she was flat on her back with a very hot man thoroughly kissing her. She might have protested if it occurred to her. When I woke up and you weren't here, I thought it was all a dream. He murmured against her lips. You must have wonderful dreams. He lifted his head and grinned at her. Then when you came out dressed in your grave-looking business suit, I was afraid you had regrets. Grave. That didn't sound good. And how could I regret last night? I seduced you, remember? How about a replay, just to be sure? Before she could answer, he was using his lips to make a compelling argument for her to stay. I hope you didn't mess up my hair, she said when he finally gave them a chance to breathe. The hair is fine, but the lipstick could use some work. He dipped down, catching her lower lip between his teeth and tugging. She was seriously reconsidering going to work when there was a pounding at her door. Listen to what you do to my heart. She laughed until she heard Daniel's voice calling as the pounding started again. Jack rolled his eyes. Is this illegal in this town, too? Something's wrong. She scrambled away from Jack's grasp. Scooping up Jack's clothes from the floor, she tossed them to him. Get dressed. Why? Jack slipped his hands underneath his head, making it clear he wasn't planning on moving anywhere. I'd rather just hide in here out of his way. She gave him an irritated look. He knows you're here. Your car is in the driveway. So? He threw the shirt she'd tossed to him back on the floor. Are you ashamed of what we did? No. He's going to find out eventually. But we don't need to rub it in his face. She snapped as she tossed his shirt back to him. The pounding continued. Just a minute. She called. Jack stared at her for a moment, then acquiesced. Gathering his clothes, he headed to the bathroom. Before she could pull the door closed, his hand stopped it. You'll need to tell him sometime. This isn't a secret affair we're having here, Tess. He doesn't need to know right now, though. She tugged the door, closing it in Jack's irritated face. Tess fixed her clothes and checked her hair in the mirror. Jack was right about the lipstick. She wiped the smears with her hand and then went and opened her front door. Daniel. Where is he? Daniel pushed his way into the house. What's going on? I know he's here. His car is in the drive. He's in the bathroom. When he started towards the hall, Tess grabbed his arm and put her body in his way. For a minute, she thought he was going to walk over her. What's going on? I need to talk to him. She couldn't remember hearing his voice filled with such venom or his face ravaged somewhere between rage and pain. What happened? She asked again. He only looked at her, or maybe it was through her. Daniel, you're scaring me. What's wrong? My dad was attacked last night. Oh God, is he all right? It couldn't be good. Not with Daniel this distraught. He's in the hospital. He attempted to push past her. Daniel. She stopped him again. Tell me what happened. What about Helen? He was attacked at home, and the house was set on fire. They're alive only because she smelled the smoke. They're alive. She wanted to feel relief, but Daniel's emotions wouldn't let her. Are they going to be all right? Mom is fine. He broke from her again. 
Valentine, I need to talk to you. If Helen was fine, then maybe Tom wasn't. She grabbed at Daniel again, wanting to get the details, when it occurred to her why Daniel was livid. He thought Jack was responsible. Daniel, Jack didn't do this. I want to talk to him. You know I can't let you do that. He whirled on her, the rage once directed at Jack now piercing down on her. Always the lawyer. He said with a sneer. Dad could die and all you care about is your job. Is there a problem? Jack appeared, his eyes narrow as he took in the scene. Daniel pushed Tess to the side. The move caused Jack's eyes to flare with angry heat. Where were you last night between 2.30 and 4 o'clock in the morning? Daniel strode towards Jack. You don't need to answer that, Tess said. Jack gave her a questioning look. She knew the situation could be resolved easily. After all, she was his alibi. At the same time, Daniel was treading on thin ice. Taking it on himself to question Jack could turn out badly for the case, and therefore him as well. And she had to admit, he wasn't in the mood to hear the news that Jack had stayed the night with her. Daniel, this is beyond your authority. Quiet, Tess. Daniel snapped. Hey. Tess held up her hand to stop Jack from talking. Daniel, I'm protecting you. Coming here and questioning Jack in this manner will only make things worse for you and your family. Do you think all I care about is a case? I'm not like you, Tess. I can't close my heart and life off to those I love. Careful, Daniel. Jack warned. My father is fighting for his life. If you want justice, if you want to help Tom, you can't do this. Tess moved to him, trying to get him to look at her, hoping she could remind him of their friendship, of her love for his family. But he ignored her. Where were you? Daniel. I was in bed. Jack answered. Can anyone verify that? Yes. Jack held Daniel's gaze. I'll need her name. Daniel cast a satisfied glance at Tess. She realized he believed he was exposing Jack as a philanderer. I can't do that. Jack answered, but the look he gave her told her he was annoyed at having to keep their night together a secret. Stop, Daniel, please. Tess was nearly begging. If he was like this now, how would he take the truth? She felt certain that in this case, the truth wasn't going to set Jack free. Afraid to have Tess learn the truth about you. Considering I just admitted I was with someone she already knows. Daniel stood silent, studying Jack for a moment. Slowly he turned, and Tess could see in his eyes he was coming to the truth. He was with me, I'm sorry. Jack flinched and looked at her like she'd just slapped him. God, just what she needed. Two men with bruised egos. All night? Daniel's voice was so distant, so dark. Tess felt she didn't know him. Yes. She was drained and hoped that Daniel would just take the news and leave. Instead, he pulled his anger together again. You slept with your client. Isn't there a rule or a code of ethics against that kind of behavior? Daniel, stop. Jack's voice was beyond warning. It was a promise. Or maybe you're protecting him. Maybe you've been working with him this whole time, helping him get away with murder. You know that's not true. Tess managed, but the look in his eyes made her wonder if he really did think that. The more I think about it, the more sense it makes. Then take it to Detective Johnson. Jack said, We don't need to listen to your petty, jealous accusations. Daniel shook his head at Tess. You know what this makes you? Tess's heart couldn't decide which she felt more hurt or angry at Daniel's insinuation. She never would have guessed that he could turn on her so cruelly. Back off. Jack moved quickly toward Daniel. You going to hit me, Jack? Daniel's voice suggested that he hoped Jack would. Assaulting a police officer is against the law. I don't see a police officer. I see a bully. The two men stood toe to toe. Your pain is clouding your judgment. Why don't you leave before you do something you'll regret? The tension was impenetrable. 
but Tess made the effort to defuse the situation before the two of them ended up in jail. Both of you, stop it. She gave Jack a light push, hoping he had enough control to back off. Daniel. She tried to get him to look at her, but when he did, she saw contempt. Your parents need you. Why don't we go together? You. Stay. Away. From my family. He accentuated each word with a point of his finger into her face. Each poke was like a sharp stab to her heart. With one last look of disgust, he left. Chapter 22 Tess's legs felt like cooked noodles. The only thing preventing her from dropping to the floor was Jack's arms around her. Are you all right? I don't know. Her mind was in a whirl. The only family she really had was in danger of dying. She couldn't get the way Daniel looked at her out of her mind. Like she was a tramp. Hey. Jack said, lifting her chin with the crook of his finger. Don't let him turn last night into something sordid. You're not really sorry, are you? She shook her head. I was sorry for hurting him, not for being with you. I've never seen him like that. Would have never guessed he could be like that. Fear and pain can do things to a man. Jack said. But it doesn't mean he can behave like that. I need to go to them. She would defy Daniel and hope his parents didn't hold the same opinion of her. I'll take you. No, I think under the circumstances I should go alone. Are you sure? Can you trust Daniel to keep his cool? I'll be fine. She said it, although she wasn't sure she believed it. Call me if you need me. She nodded. I'll stop by your office later to check on you. She could only nod again, numb from the encounter. Tess. She lifted her gaze to his. He looked like he was struggling for the right words. Finally, he said, Don't let him ruin what we've got here. She tried to reassure him, but failed. He leaned forward and gave her a kiss, and then gathered her close. She liked his warmth and strength, and yet, she couldn't help but feel guilty. Because she wasn't immediate family, Tess wasn't allowed to see Tom at the hospital. It was a harsh reminder that her ties to Helen and Tom were tenuous. It made her regret her last words to him at the funeral. Even worse was the guilt over the thoughts she'd had about him. He'd lied to her, she was sure of it. But it had been wrong of her to question him and his motives, especially at the funeral of his friend, his family. She'd seen the disappointment on his face. It was the last image she had of him. God, please let him be all right, she thought as she took a seat in the waiting room, hoping to see Helen. She thumbed through yet another issue of a Southern Living magazine when Helen found her. Tess tossed the magazine aside and rushed to her. How is he? Tess, I'm so glad you're here. He'll live, but they aren't sure if there will be brain damage. Brain damage. Didn't Daniel explain? Tess didn't want to go over her last encounter with Daniel. He didn't give me details. He was upset. Yes, he's taking this hard. Is he here? Tess worried that any moment Daniel would throw her out and turn his mother against her. He'll be here soon. He had a few things to take care of. Why don't I get us some coffee and you can tell me what happened? I don't want coffee. Helen sat down on one of the orange plastic vinyl chairs. Her head fell back against the wall. Tess sat next to her. What can I do? Just being here is a help. Helen's hand reached out and squeezed Tess. What happened? I was asleep. I had my earplugs in. Tom's snoring has gotten so bad lately. Helen took a deep breath. If I hadn't had them, I'd have heard something. Tess gave her hand a squeeze, hoping it would give her the strength to continue. The only reason I woke is that I smelled something burning. I didn't hear the smoke detector until I took my earplugs out. I went downstairs and saw the smoke coming from Tom's office. I called for him, but he didn't answer. Helen took a tissue from her purse. She dabbed at her eyes and rubbed her nose. I looked in his office and he was lying on the floor, bleeding. 
His desk was on fire. I went to help him, but there was someone there. Did he hurt you? Tess asked, alarmed that Helen met her intruder face to face. Are you all right? He looked at me, picked up something off the floor, and ran past me out the door. Like I wasn't even there. Maybe I wasn't. Helen said as she looked at Tess. I didn't even try to stop him. Thank goodness you didn't. He could have killed you. Who would do this? Tess shook her head. I don't know. You didn't recognize him? No, he was all in black, with a mask. It was like what you see in the movies, only it wasn't a movie, was it? No, I'm sorry. Helen blew her nose. It must have to do with Asa. Tom is a sweet, gentle man. No one wanted to hurt him. But he worked with Asa, who was never sweet or gentle. And he was murdered. That wasn't the only thing they had in common. Both had head injuries and their offices set on fire. But what had the assailant picked up before he ran out? Do you know what the attacker took? No, it was broken, though. He had to pick it up in pieces. It wasn't big, maybe the size of a large book. The moment finally became too much for her, and she dropped her head into her hands and wept. I'm so sorry. Tess pulled her close and realized Helen was still in her robe. Why don't you let me pick up some clothes for you? Tess wondered how damaging the fire was and if her clothes were wearable. If so, she'd go to the mall and pick up a few things for her. I don't know. You don't want Tom to see you out in your bathrobe, do you? Tess pushed Helen's hair from her face. Helen gave her weak smile. I guess not. I'll pack some things up for you now, and later you can come stay at my place. I'd like to have a few things, but I'm going to stay at the house. But the fire. Not my house. My dad came by earlier. Tess nodded that she understood she was planning to go to the Worthington estate. Are you sure? Tess knew the home didn't hold many fond memories for Helen. Yes, I think Dad and I need each other now. Tess wrapped her arms around Helen. I'll be back soon with your things. The arson investigators were at the house when Tess arrived. There were streaks of black rising along the side of the home where Tom's office was located, but the rest of the home looked untouched by the fire. She approached one of the investigators and explained who she was and why she was there. He agreed to let her in as long as she stayed away from Tom's office. She made her way towards the stairs. The home reeked of smoke. Dark lines streaked the walls and ceiling in the hall. The office had yellow tape blocking the doorway. While she promised not to go in, she didn't say she wouldn't peek. Tom's desk had taken the brunt of the fire. It looked charred, as though it would fall into a pile of ash with a single touch. On the desk, pencils stuck out of the metal cup like gnarled licorice. His laptop was open, but much of the casing had melted. The fire had spread from his desk to the file cabinets and bookcases behind it. The rest of the room was black with soot but hadn't burned. On the floor were reddish spots she thought were blood. Her heart broke to think of him battling an assailant while his office was in flames. Knowing Tom, he'd have been more concerned about Helen. He'd told her once that having Asa as a client made him wealthy, but winning Helen's heart had made him rich. Rich was better. Scanning the room, she tried to figure out what the assailant had taken. Helen had said the item was broken or was in pieces. She couldn't see anything that looked distinguishable in the charred remains of the room. I thought you were getting things from upstairs. Tess looked over her shoulder to the arson investigator. Yes, I'm sorry, I just had to look. They're lucky it wasn't worse. He said, scanning the room. He had a strong, fit body, but the lines on his face and silver hair let her know that he was in his mid to late fifties. Tess battled with her conscience about whether to ask questions. She felt certain what happened to Tom was related to Asa's murder, which in turn was related to Jack's case. Have you determined what started it? 
You mean, aside from the guy that poured gas and lit a match? Right, of course. Now she looked like an idiot when her goal had been to learn what she could about the assailant. Mrs. Showalter said that the man who did this took pieces of something with him. The investigator's brows drew in. I'm just trying to help, she said by way of explanation. I'm an attorney. The police took something that looked like a computer. A computer? Probably one of those notebook types. They had some keys and something that looked like a cover plate for a battery. Tess looked back into the room to where a laptop sat melted into the desk. The pieces were over there. He said, pointing to the blood soaked into the rug. I think they suspect the guy hit him with it. That's how it broke. What about that laptop? Tess asked. That one is now a part of the desk. The police are going to get an expert in here today to see if they can salvage any important parts that might have information on why Mr. Showalter was attacked. You said the police think he hit Tom with the laptop. Could that cause brain damage? Tess asked. I don't know, but the base of an iron lamp could. The police took that too. Chapter 23 Tess gathered clothes for Helen. While the rest of the house was untouched physically by the fire, the smoke reached everywhere. She dropped Helen's clothes off at a same-day dry cleaner and picked up new toiletries from the drugstore. On her way back to her office, Tess called Helen, leaving a voice message that she'd deliver the clothes once they were finished being cleaned. Tess was relieved to step out of the bitter cold into the warmth of her office. While the sun was shining outside, its heat failed to reach the earth. It was barely the first week of February. There was still a lot of cold left until spring. Tess headed straight for the coffee pot, hoping a piping cup would take off the chill that penetrated her bones. I didn't expect you back so soon, Regina said as Tess poured the dark brew into her lawyer's get-you-off mug, given to her by Kate when she'd passed the Virginia bar exam. I wasn't allowed to see Tom. Oh, that doesn't sound good. Tess wrapped her hands around the mug, savoring the warmth. It's not. It's one of those wait-and-see situations. I'm sorry, Regina said. Do you want me to reschedule your afternoon appointments as well? No. Were you able to reschedule this morning's appointments? Well, one of them, Mr. Snyder wouldn't reschedule, and he wouldn't tell me why. And Mr. Tanner canceled for today, so you just have two appointments. Did he say why? No, it was weird. Kind of like he and Mr. Snyder were in cahoots. Her brows furrowed almost as if she knew something was up, but couldn't put her finger on it. Cahoots. You know, I think the legal term is conspiracy. I know the legal term. Why did you think they were conspiring? They both seemed to be holding back why they wouldn't reschedule. They just wanted their final bill, and that's it. Final bill. Tess bit her lip. Mr. Snyder and Mr. Tanner were only a small part of her practice, but they'd been loyal to her and had even referred new clients. Can you pull their numbers so I can call them? Here they are. Regina stood and handed a stack of folders to Tess. There's also the Wagner's partnership deal for today. There's only one person I couldn't put off. Mr. Valentine? How hard did you try? Regina's lips twitched. Not very hard. He's nice to look at. Huh. Tess said. When will he be here? Noon. Checking her watch, Tess found she only had two hours before Jack would arrive. She spent the first few minutes getting her thoughts and to-dos organized. At the top of her list was calling Mr. Snyder and Mr. Tanner. Neither of them was home nor had an answering machine. She moved on to the Wagner file to reacquaint herself with the case of a partnership going very, very bad. The entire case felt like a divorce, and she feared that it would end up the same. The two parties splitting up the assets and going their own ways. He's here, 
Regina chimed as she gave a soft knock and opened the door. Send him in. Tess stood behind her desk as he entered. Her heart did a giant flip at the sight of him. How he did that, she didn't know. He set a basket down on her coffee table and then moved to her. He smiled down on her as he put his hands on her arms and pulled her to him. Tess peeked around the wall of body. Be sure to shut the door behind you, Reg. Regina made a face but complied. When Tess heard the door latch click into place, Jack's mouth was on hers, sending her toes curling and her brain fogging. When he pulled back, she shook her head to clear it. He gave his head a shake as well. It's the best kind of high, isn't it? Not bad. She motioned for him to sit as she took the chair beside him. Do you want coffee or something? No, I'm good for now. He said with a wink. His expression turned more serious as he sat on the edge of her desk. How'd it go this morning? Tess settled into her chair and told him about Tom and her conversation with Helen. She's lucky she didn't get hurt, too. He said, I know. I think she knows it, too. Did she have any idea who it could be or why? No, except like the rest of us. She thinks it's related to Asa. Kind of strange, though, that it took so long. It's been nearly a week since Asa was killed. It gets stranger. I went to the house to pick up some things for Helen. The arson investigator told me that the police had collected some items they thought may have broken when Tom was hit. He said he thought it was a laptop. He hit Tom with a laptop? Apparently. But here's the thing. There was a laptop sitting on Tom's desk. It was melted, but not broken. So the assailant hit Tom with another laptop and took it with him? Tess nodded. Jack's eyes narrowed. What are you thinking? I'm thinking the same thing you're thinking. That Tom took Ace's laptop after he was murdered. Why would he do that? She shrugged. I don't know. Protect his client, maybe? It still doesn't make sense why Tom was attacked now. Maybe the assailant didn't know about the laptop until now. Tess offered. So you think that's why Tom was attacked? I don't know. But if Tom knew something, wouldn't he have been a target sooner? The fact that he was attacked a week later must mean that the assailant was after something else. Or that the assailant only just learned that Tom knew something. Maybe he's keeping a secret for Asa. Could be. But why now? What has happened that's different? Tess asked. Did something happen at the funeral yesterday? You did say that Tom seemed a little off after you talked to him. Maybe someone overheard you too. Yes, but he didn't tell me anything. And wouldn't that have made me a target too? Jack's eyes darkened. I don't like hearing that. Did you tell Deputy Dan about this? No. Tess's stomach tightened. She picked up her coffee. What she really wanted was something a hundred proof, but the imported dark brew would have to do. She took a sip and then leaned back in her chair. It really bothered you what he said this morning, didn't it? Jack asked. She studied him wondering if he was concerned or annoyed. She decided his eyes were sympathetic. Bother isn't the right word. Hurt. Angered. I've been so close to him for so long, I'm shocked by it. Jack's head tilted. I still can't see it, but I suppose it's possible that you have feelings for him. Oh, please, not you too. His lips twitched slightly. Me too what? Everyone in town thinks that someday Daniel and I will be together. It's not happening. He gave a slight nod as he bit his lower lip. She had the impression that he had a retort that would probably make her annoyed at his arrogance. He was wise to hold it back. She was impressed he could... Finally, he said, So is it guilt, then? Guilt? You're representing the man that he believes killed his uncle and attacked his father. Maybe you've got conflicting feelings about that. A little, maybe. Or maybe... He stood and moved closer to her. Maybe you're worried that they aren't as fond of you as you are of them. Maybe you're worried that Helen will turn on you as quickly as Daniel did. His hands reached for hers, tugging her up. 
loosening the tears in her eyes. Are you a shrink too? She sniffed and willed her eyes to stop leaking. He smiled. No, I just read people pretty well. And it makes sense considering your history. She gave a snort. Yep, everyone dumps Tess. He gave her a sharp shake. Not everyone. It was so easy to let him comfort her. Easy but dangerous. Eventually, her time with him would come to an end. Once this investigation was over, he'd either return to D.C. or end up in prison and she'd be alone again. You don't believe me. He said. But time will tell. So, what did you bring for lunch? She moved around him to the basket he'd brought. He followed her and opened the lid, pulling out a white paper bag. Riddows. Riddows bagels. You look disappointed. Were you expecting caviar and champagne? It is what your people prefer. She said, referring to the elite crowd Jack traveled with now that he was rich. He laughed. They're more your people than my people. And I know how you feel about your people. Besides, there's something gross about fish eggs. She sat on the couch taking one of the bagel sandwiches from him. I think you made a perfect choice. How do you know about Riddows anyway? I make it my business to know all the fine cuisine in the areas I'm staying in. He sat on the couch next to her. Speaking of which, I was thinking that tonight I could take you out on a real date. No caviar, but something a little more upscale than Riddows. Tess had barely time to open her mouth when he said, Before you say no. How do you know I'm going to say no? She asked. Because you always say no. It's like a knee-jerk reaction, especially if it's something related to your personal life or me. She frowned but didn't respond because he was right. Darn him. I haven't taken you out on a real date. I put the cart before the horse, so to speak. He waggled his brows. I want to do this right, Tess. So before you say no to a date with me, at least take a moment to think it over. She swallowed a bite of her sandwich. I need to pass, but not because of a knee-jerk reaction. I told Helen I'd bring her things by the hospital, and I was hoping to visit with Tom. Jack nodded. I'll accept that. That's a surprise. No knee-jerk rejections, no knee-jerk coercion. He grinned. But you did say earlier that you weren't allowed to visit him. If that happens, will you let me take you out? Maybe. She said knowing she was being coy. I'll tell you what. I'll call you at 6.30 or 7 o'clock, and if you're busy, I'll see you when you get home. If not, I'll pick you up and we'll go out. When I get home, how are you going to get into my house? I'll use the key under the turtle. How do you know about that? Everybody has a key under the turtle. Do you? Well, no, I have a doorman or an alarm system depending on the home. But when I was a kid, my mom had a frog. So are we on for tonight? I guess I could do that. It's not a no, so I'll take it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode from Tales from the Heart. I hope that you enjoyed it and that you will be back to find out what happens next. Will Jack be able to take Tess on a date? Who attacked Tom? And will Daniel ever get over his anger and hurt toward Tess? To make sure that you don't miss any episodes, hit the subscribe button to be notified when new episodes are posted. And don't forget that you can get the ebook of Deadly Valentine for free through my website, jennahart.com. Thank you again for listening. And until next time, this is Jenna Hart wishing you peace, love, and happily ever after.